Welcome back, everybody, to Brown Bag Bets, powered by Betsperts, for your daily dose of quick and handicapping and sports betting picks. I'm Alex Christensen, and joining me as always on Tuesdays, Mr. Matt Rooney. Andy's over talking about golf, so when you're done here, hop over there to see if the boys can pick yet another stinking outright winner. I heard everybody had Willie Zal last week, Everybody had Zal. Everybody had Zal, except for me. I didn't. Uh, I was out of town. Didn't didn't remember to put the bet in. So, but that's that's okay. I can be happy for the guys. They got Zal. They hit that. That was a big win for them. It really was. It's the team's been doing absolutely fantastic, and it's honestly the first year I've ever really been interested in the golf playoff. I mean, how much more do we have? We got like a couple more, three more, four more. Yeah, I think it's three or four more. Dan can put that in the chat if he knows off the top of his head. Yeah, to our top six. I just that I know. that playoff was wild because that you know the first two they were making shots and you know making putts and then you get to the par three eleventh and I've never seen what happened with Will Zalatoris his shot happen ever in my life on a golf course. I've never once seen it. Not only did it get stuck in between the rock and the grass, but it bounced like four times on the rock, then got stuck. And then I don't know how Straka didn't just take and maybe he just really missed his bailout shot, but how you don't just take a bailout shot with a longer club and go back and left to the green. But he didn't do that. And uh Zalatoris made a shot. It was just wild. I mean to, and, and the bounces in general. So if you remember the playoff hole before that, Sepp Straka hits a ball that's cutting left, hits a hill, banked going down to the left, going to the water, and the ball bounces straight up into the right, and then somehow lands on the only piece. I swear to God, if he tried to put that ball down on the hill, there's no way it stays there. Like, that was just – that was wild. And, yeah, I wonder how many people have gone out there and walked in and put the ball right there because I still I, – I watch that highlight a bunch of times. I mean – the combination of the rocks all being the right way and then having to sit there was just nuts. And I guess the only thing that surprised me was it really seemed like he wanted to hit that shot, which just had, it was a terrible idea. If I'm the caddy, I probably would have like picked the ball up already. I just, I was surprised that he spent so much time looking at it like he was going to hit it. Yeah, that's, I'm glad he came to the right choice there and did not hit that shot, but it really seemed like he was doing every sort of mental gymnastic in his head to try and convince himself and his caddy that it was a good idea to hit that shot when in reality he probably just either hits it backwards into the water, plugs it even further into the grass, and then probably ruins whatever his club, whatever club he chooses to hit on some rocks there. Uh, yeah, there's just no good option there. But let's jump into a little bit of baseball here because it's that's really why we're here. You're our premier baseball. Can, can I ask you a question before we get into baseball? Oh, please. Any any further update in McDonald's ice cream gate? <laughs> we, we, we stake out no. the McDonald's over the weekend. We stopped there yesterday. Anything? No, I've gone by a couple times. I haven't seen the guy before. And actually, the kid that was working in the window, I haven't seen there at all either. So I, it does feel like it might Maybe be it's all up. some sort of big conspiracy against you to get you it all, could be. you know, could be. And speaking of it. conspiracies, I hear that the uh, White Sox have a new manager and that's whoever's screaming loudest from the stands. Yeah, that's apparently what's going on is the guy who was uh, like 10, like two sections over from the from the dugout. I did see that video and like, it look it looks kind of bad, but I have a hard time believing that Tony Larusa wasn't already making that decision, or a bench coach was making that decision and telling him, "Hey, it's time to go do this." So was, I'm the biggest fire Tony Larusa guy, and I don't think he's the right manager for this team. But that's kind of where I'm going to draw the line here. As fun as it is, might be to pile on the uh, on the guy there. That's that's probably not the right time to do it. But hey, they won a game against the Houston Astros last night that they you know, were down the whole time and then came back, got a great pitching performance, got some clutch hits late, which is things that they don't really do. Um, and they got a big win. And it's a, a with the uh, 
Guardians are playing the Tigers right now. The Twins are playing the Royals. So those are some series that they're going to get some wins. Getting any wins you can in a four-game set against the Astros is pretty important. So I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah, only two games back of the Cleveland baseball team for the division there. And what do you got for us tonight? I see we're doing we're going back. There's more Sox Astros. Apparently that was we're going we're going back tonight. to Sox Astros tonight. We have a, uh, a matchup of two probably the the two AL Cy Young front runners right now in Justin Verlander and Dylan Cease. Uh, first half unders and first half totals in these matchup with aces or one ace on the mound have really been going well for me. Uh, so I'm going to go back to the well here. I'm taking the first half under three and a half, which is at minus 130, rightfully so uh, with those juice odds at minus 130 because Cease and Verlander have been so darn good this year. I'm also going to take an alt under. I know we don't, we usually like to talk about alt overs on this show when I'm on here, but uh, we're going to take the alt under here and root for the two aces at plus 142. Cease has been absolutely dominant. Uh, 14 straight starts with one earned runner less. Uh, which I believe is an American League record, or it's, I think it's him and Chris Sale are the only two to do it since like 1916, something along those lines. I'm probably butchering the tweet, but something, some streak that's very impressive. Um, and Verlander somehow at age 39 just is beating time, and he has an, an ERA in 185. He's been absolutely dominant this year. Oddly enough, probably his worst start of the year came at home against these very same White Sox, and the White Sox are a team that's pretty familiar with him over the years. That said, they really struggle with right-handed pitching, and I, I, I kind of see that's, that game in Houston as an outlier. I hope I'm I hope I'm wrong there. I hope I lose both of those bets, and the Sox are winning five to nothing after five. Uh, but I, I really like these two pitchers to kind of go out and duel. Johnny Cueto was fantastic for the Sox last night. Houston probably doesn't score unless there's an error committed in the first, so those bats are, were, were not great. And the Sox, like I've always said, struggle against right-handed pitching. So I'm rooting for some uh, some aces to go out and do their thing tonight, especially early. And then on the uh, on the other side of town, well, I guess the Cubs are in Washington, so they're technically on the other side of town. But the team over there, we're going to take Cubs first half result first. The Nationals. Um, I wrote about it this morning. I, is that I them feel to win the first half? Win the first half. The first so half yeah, first line. half result is they have to win the first half. First, so half, first half, half minus line. a half. Yes, you can take first half. I think on, on FanDuel, it's listed as first half result or first half gotcha. minus a half. It's not the money line. The money line, obviously, you push if it's a tie. Here, the Cubs have to go out and win it. The money line didn't really have any value on it. I don't love uh, having, you know, minus 120 faith in a team as bad as the Cubs, but Justin Steele is throwing for them. He's been pretty solid this year. I believe it's in his, in his last six starts, he's had uh, three earned runs or less in each of them. So he's been pretty solid. Patrick Corbin's throwing for the Nationals, and oh boy, is he just terrible. I think he's probably the worst starting pitcher in Major League Baseball this year to hit after a certain innings limit. He's got an ERA in That's the sevens. It's bad. It's it's an ERA in the sevens, a whip of uh, like 1.82, so he's allowing close to two base runners an inning. Um, I, I know the Cubs' offense isn't necessarily buzzing or all that great, but, man, when you have a pitcher that bad on the mound, uh, you have a chance to put up some runs, and I think with how well Seals pitched lately, I, I think that Cubs' first half result uh, is a solid bet, and I think Patrick Corbin. There's a pretty good chance after that was like six years, 141 million dollar contract he signed with the Nationals a few years ago. That one might go down as as one of the worst free agent contracts in the history of baseball. He is just absolutely terrible. So this is uh, really more of a fade Patrick Corbin pick there for them. His last start out against your Phillies didn't even get out of the first inning, allowed six earned runs. So let's let's back. Much as I hate to say it, uh, let's back the Cubs early in this one. That's uh, that's tough for you. Back in the Cubs, I mean, it's, it's tough. It shows that you can put, you know, money before pride, which is really important. Yeah, and you know, it's also easier to back a Cubs team when they're, you know, last place, second to last place in the division. 
if, if they're a good Cubs team, I struggle a little bit more with it. But if they're a terrible team and beating the Nationals doesn't really matter, uh, I don't mind it. It's whatever. I can dig it. I have been watching a little more baseball. My mom is actually traveling around watching the Phillies. So that's why the Phillies won Phillies last night against the Reds. And I think she's going to go watch them play the Cleveland baseball team. I don't know if that's tomorrow or today. Probably tomorrow. But I'll let, I'll let the world You could do me a favor and have lose. them beat Cleveland for me. That would be ideal. I would really like that. Yeah, they don't lose when my mom's in attendance. So they should get at least one win over Cleveland. I'm not worried about that. Love that. <laughs> Love it. What, do we, got, what do we got on the tennis courts? We do. We're back in Cincinnati. Vancouver's still going. Um, bunch of matches. We'll get started here pretty quickly. There's a parlay that we'll start off with, and the first piece gets going here soon. Anna Kalinskaya grabbed her as an outright. A qualifier coming in in really good form. I think her game sets up nicely for these courts. Again, the fastest outdoor hard courts in all of tennis. It really is a market difference. And, you know, it doesn't quite play like grass where a serve and volley rules the day. But for certain players, it's much easier for them to hit winners because they're getting more speed out of the ball. Players are hitting more speed back at them to redirect. And uh, Callum Sky is going to be in great shape here in this match. She's only minus 315 against Martina Trevisan, who hasn't played any tennis in a little while, comes in cold, and should just be outmatched anyway here. I had this closer to minus 400 myself, so happy to grab her. And it's the first part of the parlay there at minus 315, minus 320 or better looks good. Then put her with Rybakina. This the winner of Wimbledon came in, uh, had a nice start in Toronto. Yes, did lose, I believe, in her second or third match, but not a loss that I'm really that worried about. And her game should just be perfect for here, given the speed. Goes against Garbina Muguruza, and we're just going to keep fading Garbina Muguruza. So I honestly didn't even care who this was in this spot. Muguruza, for some reason, still has the ranking points, despite um, I don't think she's won a match in like three or four months. He still gets a bye here. So um, whoever was going to be in that second round match, I was going to play. And I get Rybakina here, only minus 250. I have this closer to 350. And honestly, I had to tweak it down to get to there. So put them together and you're still laying a little bit of juice, but only minus 115. Um, really like that price for both of these women to win that match. And then a couple first set overs. The totals here have been pushing over, but a lot of it has been due to long first sets. If you have a book that allows you to bet yes-no tiebreakers, uh, take a look at some yes tiebreaker prices in this in this women's tournament. Uh, there's been a lot of them popping them up, and as part of that, a lot of them in the first set. Again, in general, I like these first set overs. When we watch a lot of the women's tennis, the first set is generally longer than the second. And in both of these matches, I thought about maybe going over the total. We'll start with Martin Silva, Contivate, um, two players, very strong serves generally are good on return and push players as they get later and later in sets. The total is only 20 and a half. If you want to play the over 20 and a half, over 21, that's fine too. But the first set over nine and a half, I um, was actually able to find a plus 110 on this, but plus anything looks really great. I think this is going to be a very long set. and I think this is just a much better edge than playing the full match over. And same thing, Guskova Goff talked about this yesterday. They're giving us a first set nine and a half on a match total. It's going to close at 22. It's, they just did a bad job with the correlation there. It should be a 10 or a very, very juicy nine and a half. I'm still seeing standard at um, nine and a half games. Then we're going to take a big underdog. Iga Swiatek, as good as she was at the beginning of the year. We've actually seen the last couple seasons for her, and maybe it's a little bit different given that she's a little stronger and she's a little younger the last couple of years, but really does not play well on North American hard courts. And this tournament's specific excuse me, this tournament specifically has really struggled in some of our matches. Sloan Stevens played a great first round match. One for us is a pretty decent little underdog there. I'm going back to the well here. Um, there's even some plus 600s out there. This should be more than four to one, honestly, in my opinion. And I might've played the plus 400, even if they hung it plus six games, I have it a plus four and a half. So 
not a huge play for me. Again, whenever I, I notice myself that far off the market, I'm actually tend to be a little more hesitant, but in this particular case, all signs point to Sloan being a very competitive underdog in this match. So plus 550, plus 500 or better, honestly, you'll be able to find easily, plus six games. I think there's even that at less than standard juice. So poke around there and play some other stuff if you want. I'm actually going to look and see if I can find some Sloan alt spreads, maybe just her to win a set, stuff like that. So a big underdog, and that one will be tomorrow morning, the first through all today. And then in Vancouver, one today, talked about yesterday, Jeannie Bouchard, we got her at a better number yesterday. I'll bet her again today at plus 115 or minus one and a half sets. Plus 220 is out there, plus 225 you should be able to find. Um, just been a long time since she's played tennis, got a doubles match under her belt, very good there, um, a lot of good footage for her, and just overall should outclass this player, Hartano, who – you know, even if Jeannie is playing 75% of what she once was, should take care of this match pretty comfortably. So give me Jeannie a plus money here. And then Heather Watson, one first is an underdog in the first round. And I'll go back again. This one will actually be tomorrow. So you get a little time to find this. And um, the line is a little bit on the move here. Actually, this might be gone. I was able to grab Heather Watson at minus 140, but draw the line here at minus 150. I'm looking at minus 165 right now. Now, 20 minutes ago, that was minus 150. So poke around. Maybe we've got a book that's a little bit slow. Hopefully, you get Heather Watson tomorrow again. Minus 150 or better looks good to me. She goes against Chloe Paquet, who is the only person that makes Muguruza's year not look like the worst year in the WTA. She has just been getting pummeled by everybody, good and bad, week in and week out. So I think Watson really puts one away there. But try to grab that one early. So bunch of tennis, some totals in a parlay for this afternoon, another dog in Vancouver, and then a few looks for tomorrow. You threw a Coco Golf over in there for me. I appreciate it. I know it was tough not to go with the full match, but they finally started hanging 22 instead of the 21 and a half. So I'll just it doesn't take have to be a set. full match over for me. Any sort of over, I'm in. Any sort of <laughs> over, I'm in. I could dig it. Now, win total Wednesday is technically tomorrow, but I always like that we have these little win total Tuesdays, or I wish I could put maybe team total win Tuesdays. Team, I'll team call total Tuesdays. How about team that? Team total win yeah. Tuesdays or something like that. But what do we got here? We're, um, we're fading a big team. That just seems like a good strategy, I would imagine. I think this is my first under that I've given out, if I'm not mistaken. I want to say this is the first under I've given out. I think I've been giving out a lot of overs. Um, USC, nine and a half. Uh, I think that's a lot for them. Um, I know they have Lincoln Riley, obviously, coming in, creating all the headlines. Jordan Addison and Caleb Williams transferring in to, to bolster what's already a pretty talented offense. It's year one of a program. Uh, with a new head coach that's just going through a lot of transition that was, I think, was a four and eight, five and seven team. I forget the record off the top of my head last year, but they were not a good football team last year. They had a really, really bad defense, 10th in the Pac 12, I think, allowed over 400 yards of, uh, allowed over 400 yards of offense. I think 32 points a game as a defense last year. And yeah, they, they brought in some transfers. That unit should be a little bit better this year, but there's a lot to overhaul on that defensive side of the football. The schedule lines up okay for them. But they have Notre Dame at the end of the schedule, who I, I don't think that's going to be a win for them. They have to go to Utah. I don't think that's going to be a win for them. I've talked to you guys about how much I love Utah this year, and I think that's the pick in the Pac-12, by the way. They're still plus 250 on FanDuel to win the Pac-12. I think that's a no-brainer to go and grab still. And then you're telling me somewhere along the way that this pretty talented but poor defensive new regime team isn't going to slip up once along the way. Uh, it's tough for me to see. I think they're going to be a very talented team. I think USC over the next five years is absolutely going to be back to the old USC that we taught that, that, you know, was winning national championships or at least competing for them. And I think we're going to see them in a college football playoff in the next few years. Um, I just don't think it's this year. I, I think year one, 
It is really, really hard to buy into the hype. It's easy, excuse me, to buy into the hype this early. It's really hard to follow through on that hype this early. I like Lincoln Riley as a coach. I think he's been known for having these talented teams in Oklahoma, but kind of slipping up once or twice in spots that he shouldn't. That's why Oklahoma never really got to the uh, never got to a, a national championship with him there. Even though they got to a playoff a couple times, they got beat. I just I don't see it this year with USC. I think they're going to be very good in the years to come. They're going to recruit really well. It's impossible not to that uh, to that team in Los Angeles with a coach like Lincoln Riley. But this year for me, it's just it's tough to buy in the the uh, the over nine and a half. You're telling me they pretty much have to be perfect in all of their toss up games and their matchups outside of Notre Dame and Utah. Could they be one of those teams? Sure, but those would be really tough matchups with two veteran teams. I just don't see it going, them going over nine and a half. And I think a nine and three year for USC is a very successful season. I think that's probably what they end up at. But getting to 10 and two, that's going to be really tough for a new program going through a lot of overhaul with just a, a still a bad defense. I like this quite a bit. And I imagine this is a little akin to like looking at a Cowboys or maybe a Steelers under. Correct. You know, in terms of the NFL, because everyone in California that makes a bet, I know a couple of mm-hmm. USC graduates and they are brutally annoying about it. Um, I mean, USC's, you look at national championship futures, USC's like a top five to seven, like, you know, odds to win the national championship. They're not winning a national championship this year. They're going to be very good in a few years. They have a great coach. They're going to get back on the right track. But I mean, I, I can talk about it as a Notre Dame fan. Dan can talk about it as a Texas fan, just because you get this big time head coach in there year one and you're this big-time program, doesn't mean that things are just going to flip a switch and you're going to win a national championship right away. You still have to do things the right way. Are they in a weaker conference? Sure. Do they avoid Oregon in the regular season? Yes, that's a win for them as well. But Utah, Notre Dame, they, I mean, there, there's some other tough teams on that schedule. They got Arizona State. They got to go to Oregon State, which is a tricky place to play. Like, it's – it's it's not just a cakewalk for them to nine ten wins this year. They're going to be in some battles because that defense isn't going to be good. Caleb Williams, as good as he was at times last year, also had some freshman mistakes, and he's going to get better, sure. But like he's still shown some flaws as well. And if you get to ten and two, eleven and one, like people want them to be, Caleb Williams is going to have to be pretty darn perfect. And I just I don't see that happening as good as he is. I can dig it. I like it. It's excited. College football's coming. It's I like it's get it, it lines up with a lot of stuff of some of the people have been telling me. Like Arizona might be good. Utah's going to be really good. Like that schedule looks tougher and then all that transition. I like it. It all adds up to an under. I love college football. I love I it. I can't do. wait. I love I the NBA. Wait. And I can't wait for the sneaking schedule to be released. But we get little, little bits and pieces. They released the Christmas games yesterday. Of course, my 76ers are playing on Christmas. The opening day matchups are starting to come out, which means you have the schedule. Send it out. I'm sick of freaking waiting. But we have our first line, our first game line for the year. Our friends at FanDuel have finally posted a line, finally. It's all, this game's been up for maybe a few hours. Kudos to them. Warriors hosting the Lakers. The Warriors looks like they're going to lay six and a half, a pretty big favorite here at minus 255. I'm just excited to see a number here. And I might bet the Warriors here. It's, I bet the Warriors might be lane, tough. Lane You've got points. LeBron James off a long break, and we'll see what kind of nonsense the Lakers can, can put together because everyone I know in basketball still seems to think that Kyrie Irving is going to find a way to get to this Lakers team. So I'm going to wait, but I think I will have a Warriors ticket in my pocket before this game starts. I think it's a – I don't know why, you know, like FanDuel or BetMGM or finding these uh, these odds, 
why they don't just have an incredibly high over right now, because I feel like you get a lot of casual betters going in and just like, yeah, let's take the over on night one. Let's do it. Let's take it. And then they get bet, bet down. I don't know. Maybe you have some sharps come in on some unders, but like, I don't think the sharps are betting totals two months in advance. I didn't get some suckers to, to hop on a high over early. I don't know. That's just me. I think you got that backwards. No, no, no square is betting this tonight. That's, I think they're going to wait till opening night. I think you find, generally find softer action later. And I do know some people that would go in and just pubble some of these numbers. In fact, we may or may not have gone in and pubbled the Christmas Day totals when they opened them up. So uh, I have, I will say I'm not actually surprised we don't see a total here. I'm curious to see. Totals were very interesting last year. It was kind of a wild year in the NBA for that. So I'm curious to see if books will open lower limits on totals, if they'll be a little slower on them this year, because it was kind of a big year for that. But yeah, six and a half here, just excited to look at it. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. It tells us, you know, the Warriors are a much better team than the Lakers. My guess is on a neutral court, they're looking at closer to four, four and a half, which again, doesn't look quite right to me. And they're going to be in Golden State, assuming everybody is healthy and makes their way to game one. That arena is going to be going nuts for the championship celebration and all that stuff. So you don't have to bet it now, but keep an eye on Warriors minus six and a half. I'm in. Okay, we'll do that. Maybe I'll, I'll grab the money line and parlay it with something goofy just so I have it out there. Who knows? But I think that's all we got. I was sneaky there. We got four sports in today. Baseball, some tennis, college football, and even a little basketball. I'm proud of us. I'm proud of us. That was pretty good. That that fourth topic for us is always in this in the in the summer like this is kind of kind of hard to come up with. I'm glad we had something like this pop up. That was that was nice. Again, the NBA schedule should be released soon. So hopefully we'll have more stuff to talk about. Thanks for watching. Again, when you get done here, hop on over to the Betsports Golf feed to watch the boys tell you who's going to win the tournament this week. Thumbs up, like, subscribe, do all that crap that makes Andy really happy. And thanks to everybody. We'll see you tomorrow.